Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today, I'm joined by Josh Korngut to talk about the new Sundance film, Piggy, which just had its premiere. Josh is a filmmaker, a writer, and Dread Central's managing editor. He also hosts Development Hell on the Dread Podcast Network, where he unearths unmade horror films. I haven't actually had the chance to speak with Josh as I'm recording this introduction, so I'm going to go ahead and assume this is a great conversation, that I had a great time uh, chatting with Josh about a really, really interesting film. This is, um, I saw a lot of unique films at this year's Sundance, but Piggy is absolutely um, in a class all by itself, and I, I love this film, and I, I have a feeling I really enjoyed talking to Josh about it, so hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. I can hear you fine. Okay, good. It was not plugged into the right space. (laughs) (laughs) How are you tonight? I'm great. How's it going with you? Good, good. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. I know I'm super psyched and what a cool movie to be talking about on a podcast. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to be talking about this particular film because this is, uh, there's several things that it checks a lot of boxes that are um, of interest to me, but just to introduce people um, that are listening to this in case they're not familiar with you. um, You're a writer, you're a podcast host, you're a filmmaker, you you do (laughs) everything. um, And it's a lot of this is geared around genre stuff. And Mm -hmm. I I listened to a bunch of your uh, development, hell, the podcast read some of your stuff also. And uh, I mean, Anybody that's friends with Jinx is okay with me. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, how did that show come together? Because it's a great concept. I really enjoy it. First of all, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I started Development Hell well, maybe a year ago for a smaller network called Anatomy of a Scream. They're really, really awesome. And I would check them out. They have lots of diverse creators and they all share a feed. And I really recommend them. And I, I finished sort of a little eight episode run. And I thought, I really like what I have. And so I pitched it to Dread Central. And that's sort of how I began my journey with Dread Central, which is now where I am the managing editor. So I write there a lot. If you're on their homepage, you'll see my name probably. Um, And yeah, so I, I love, love working with Dread. But besides podcasting and the journalism, I am a filmmaker and it all comes down to horror for me. Um, I have a short that did fairly well in the festival circuit. And now we are currently in development on a feature. My very first. Congratulations. Oh, oh that's thank great. you. Which um, if you've listened to my podcast, you'll know it's uh, a windy road to getting something made and um, yeah, best of fucking luck. So, <laughs> can I swear today? Oh, but by all means, please. Okay. Please, please yeah. Have at it. Yeah. Um, and every day I'm like, should I, should I make an episode about this film? Because it's never going to get made. And then, and then, of course, we get a phone call <laughs> and things start moving again. And I'm like, oh, God. All I know is that my podcast, Development Hell, where I talk about horror movies that haven't actually been made, I will wrap it up one day by talking about a project of my own that either made it to the finish line or did not. And that's the plan. What a wonderful way to bookend that. that I really hope it's in a good way though. I hope I make it. I hope, (laughs) I hope we make it, but if not even better for the show. Do you find going through this process of learning about projects with people that we both admire, that we respect franchises, properties that you, people Mm -hmm. would be excited about. 
with all these things attached to it that feel like they were no brainers that never made it. Does that help you in some way going through what you're going through? Lord, no, 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 no. <laughs> it makes me realize that even if you're Jorge Romero, even if you're Guillermo del Toro, nobody gives a shit. Good best of luck to you. Spit on your face. No, it does not. It makes it worse because I do get it. I think I've slowly but surely gotten a sense that it's the wild west. No matter how much money you think you have, like things can before you start to film, things can fall apart or come together like magic. And it's just about luck and timing and a bunch of other crap that you cannot control. Well, the one thing you can control that you have a little bit of power over is the writing process when you're doing that, when you're first developing the idea. Um, now that you have made the short, it's done the festival circuit. You've gone through that. Is there a particular part of the process that you enjoy the most? Is it the writing, the actual shooting, or is it the post piece that you? I'm a writer first and foremost, and I keep trying to push myself more and more into the director uh, chair. Cause that's something I really have interest in, but I think, it, I think it's all about the writing at the end of the day for me. And I hope it doesn't sound pretentious, but it's just, I like, telling a story. So if I get a 300 word news piece, I just like want to figure out a way to, to give it a beginning, middle and end. And any, any platform, someone will maybe give me an opportunity to tell some kind of story. I'm going to get my fingers in there. So yeah, it's, it's about the storytelling, I think. And I, it's, I sounds like such a douchebag, but that is well, how I feel. Not, not at all. <laughs> my God. Okay. okay. Anybody that's listening to this, that has this kind of an interest in film, indie film, right. indie genre film on top of it. Um, mm. Yeah, they, they first of all, they've heard by far douchier things and saying that you have a passion <laughs> for storytelling. I, I no, we I all do. do. I do. And then, but you just hear yourself saying something like that out loud. You're like, you have to hate yourself a little bit because they're like, of course, I have a passion for storytelling, but like, mm, you got to keep yourself grounded. You just have to try. Well, that's better than what I see in a lot of film journalists, especially well, internet film journalists specifically where it feels like a lot of it is geared around not really even getting there first, getting there second or third and copying what everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And I feel like so much of it exists in this Twitter film area that I can't stand. And the fact that you're approaching it from a storytelling angle gives it even that it's the writing of those 300 word pieces is something unique. I, I agree with what you're saying. And we have a new editor in chief. When I started on as managing editor, We also had a new editor-in-chief joining. Her name is Mary Beth McAndrews, and she is helping us pivot, I think, to some degree, not away from news, but into really thoughtful, cute, interesting editorial from editorials from a really diverse group of creators. And that's, like, if you're not going to be breaking news, if you're not going to be there first, if you're not getting the scoop, then at least say something new and interesting that isn't necessarily the news. I Exactly. Instead of copy and pasting other websites, well, like and when, say something interesting. When you're breaking news, though, essentially what you're doing, is 90% of it, it seems, is copying and pasting press releases with your little two bits at the beginning and end. And that's really yeah, about it. Yes. Yes. Which, you know what, sitting here as someone that has written hundreds and hundreds <laughs> of news articles, I will tell you there is a beautiful place in this world for moments like that when, you know, when you're really busy. But yeah, people know people, people are not dumb and they know when something is written by a committee or a computer or is bullshit. So, yeah. And then they're well, not going to come back. That, that's the thing. If I, well, I reached out to you because I ended up reading um, 
something that you had written and you had this little aside to dead end and then i'm like oh well anybody that loves dead end is okay like you understand so much of me by getting that movie because i feel like i have to explain my love for the movie constantly to anybody that'll listen if they've seen it um mm-hmm. but that you're like if i could tell if this similar feeling where it's like oh i'm just shoehorning this in at the end because i just had a chance to say it that kind of thing you are not wrong anytime anytime i get to bring up dead end ask my friends it's I'm going to bring it up. A, because, yeah, I don't know if enough people know about it anymore. And B, even if they do, I don't care. It's, I, I'm just <laughs> obsessed with it. I got to speak very recently with the filmmakers behind this new indie movie called Alone With You, which has a sort of dead end vibe in it. And I was trying to tell them about it. And they were like, no, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but yeah, As somebody who interviews people a lot, I've definitely had awkward moments have you had that where you in your mind you're building up a conversation like i'm going to drop this thing and it is going to land because i know this is where they were and you've had it where it just fell flat oh every day (laughs) every day that's so funny you bring that up because i think about it regularly where on on my show i have had quite a few instances of talking to really cool filmmakers and and figures in the community and even famous people Mm-hmm. The episodes that I enjoy and the episodes that I perform are literally just me and some other nerd talking about a franchise that we're obsessed with. Yeah. Nobody cares that you got the person that made whatever sequel. Like they just want to hear you and your dumbass friend get it wrong about Hellraiser three. <laughs> um, well, Hellraiser three, I, I, mm-hmm. I have, that has a, a special place in my heart. I, I do really i know that it's not the first two i get that i those are their own thing um it has no redeeming social value whatsoever but mm-hmm. it's a hell of a lot of fun they're, they're, that's a cool little movie i watched it i'm sorry i'm a hack but i watched it for the <laughs> i am but i watched it for the first time a couple of weeks ago because mm-hmm. we did a we did a hellraiser episode and i, I listened to the episode actually, oh did you okay so you know that. so you know i'm a hack so <laughs> I, that was the first time i'd ever seen it I love it. It's so dumb and good. I forget the character's name, but there's some like the like second like female lead is so the, good. The, the girl, the girlfriend of the uh, art, yes, yeah, bar She's, owner, whatever. Yeah. Yes, and him too. Him too. I just feel like they're just what? Who are these wild, wild characters, and what do they want? And I support them on this journey. <laughs> there's a. I think if you appreciate that energy. You appreciate the sun in Dead End because it's the same sort of mm-hmm. what in God's mm-hmm. name is this? This isn't a character that you yes. don't know that you could get away with. Um, you, you're, you, what, you do know. You're absolutely positive that they could not. <laughs> you're, right. you're certain you're right. of it. You're certain of it. I did a deep dive into Dead End in, uh, around Christmas. I wrote some article with a very, like, uh, by the numbers headline, something like Dead End is the ultimate forgotten Christmas movie or something dumb like that. Um, but and I and I took a good look at it again, and yeah, that character couldn't stand the test of time. But I stand; I, I'm here for him, and he's a cutie. So the, the one thing I would say that makes it it doesn't give it a pass completely because I think the ending, the actual ending of it, pulls this out. Uh-huh. But if this was told from Ray Wise's perspective or the parents' perspective, and this is how he saw his son, and this is the dream that existed in that moment, and that was how he saw him. As just this foul mouth masturbating idiot. Like, and I like think dweeb, yeah. I, I think that, you know, that that could fly in a way, but then the actual ending of the movie, I don't think that holds up. Listen, it's 2003. This is exactly who this person was. <laughs> like, this is a very real 2003 person. 
Um, yeah, the ending is the only thing about, I don't know how you feel, but it's the only thing about the movie that I think, no, <laughs> that's well, a no for me. <laughs> the two endings that we were talking about the, with the two guys um, that are cleaning up the street. And so you kind of, it infers that everything was real or the part where they drive off in the um, oh. hearse or whatever. I was cars. just alluding to when we meet death and we're like, oh, okay. so sh- when it was, when it's clear that it's like kind of like a, like a, like they're all dead kind of a, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like a, they're dead the whole time kind of a thing. Well, they, they had to wrap it up at some point. And it was, I, it's enough I, of a fun ride that I give them a pass. I think when I was 13 though, it was like, this is <laughs> no exit. You know, this was like French, fucking surrealism at its finest and my my mind was blown and i still kind of feel that way about it well i feel like the person the people who are making this film if you look at the cast they were clearly um they they at least watched an episode of twin peaks or two it felt like they were pulling from that area with uh, a papa palmer but they're like this weird french filmmakers that are also like writing books i'm i'm not convinced anything happened on purpose and this is all this like fever dream of a mistake and i celebrate it either way okay so i need to transition into piggy and i'm really bad at it so i would let's do it come up with a segue so let's just go right into it let's um, go this is probably one of my favorite films out of sundance this year. <gasps> i adore this movie. oh i'm so happy to hear that because it's the only movie out of sundance that i have seen this year <laughs> <laughs> there were three there were three very strong genre films at Sundance this year. Um, mm-hmm. Speak No Evil, Piggy, and Nanny. And I think you'll be hearing a lot about those movies this year. I have already been hearing. I've been and I've been hearing mixed things, maybe mixed plus about resurrection. Yeah. Um, maybe good, mixed I, plus about fresh. Yeah, good good performances in a not so great movie, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. For me. Sounds like sounds like Sundance. <laughs> no, I'm I don't know. I actually know nothing. I'm not a Sundance queen, so I can't speak to it. But it, I mean, okay, it, for me, it's just there's the seeing something that I might not see otherwise. Mm-hmm. In this, that's why I enjoy covering these types of festivals. And you know, you cover Fantasia or anything like that. It, it's just going, in, and I'm just going to see something that's elevated to a place that it might not, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder with these other films. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to see something like Piggy next to something that could potentially be a Oscar hopeful at the end of the year. That's just not going to happen except for in a festival no. like this. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, I wish let's give Piggy the Oscars. <laughs> it could happen. No, it'll never happen. Nor no, does it, it, you know, and nor do I think it deserves it, but do I love it? Yeah. I'm obsessed with Piggy and I can't wait to get into this. Okay. Is the, just to kind of, do a little bit of the table setting for it before I get into the thing that I loved about this uh, movie. It's really, it's just, we've seen versions of this before revenge of the bullied movies. You've seen the person who's been pushed too far. The bullies take it to a place that's completely unacceptable where there's a near death incident. Um, And then what is kind of interesting about this film is the, (laughs) the angle where a serial killer saves her from this moment. And then she just lets them go. And there becomes this almost Ross and Rachel, will they, won't they, uh, Sam and Diane kind of thing between her mm-hmm. and the serial killer. And yep. I was all for it. I oh, loved that. Fuck yes. I got to write a review for Dread. And one of my favorite things to mention was like, I don't know if this movie wanted me to feel this way, <laughs> but I wanted them to hook up. I wanted them to team up 
kill everybody in this godforsaken town and then go to another town and open up our little butcher shop together and be really happy and maybe use their meat to sell who cares just get it going and i don't think that's what the movie wanted me to feel but as a fat gay man i was living vicariously through this romance in this movie and i and i really loved that and by by the end of the movie are you calling her sarah in your mind or are you calling her piggy because the movie seems like they're calling her Piggy the whole time, even though she has a name that's given in the film. Is that mm-hmm. something that we're, and it almost feels like we're supposed to be somehow complicit in that, that we're going along with this. And when you see her mm. going down that path, I feel like we're supposed to be revolted against her choices, but I was actually okay with them. And I, yeah, I think you're right, which is so disappointing because I don't want that to be what they want me to think. <laughs> I want them to want me to want everyone to die. Um, yeah, but we, I think we got right. something better, though. I, I think that uh-huh. as far as an individual like this, um, finding agency, finding her own voice in the end of the film, I it gave me something better than what I actually wanted, because I think you and I wanted very similar films. And this could have mm-hmm. spun off into a half hour you know, sitcom of just her and this guy in the butcher shop and God, hopefully nobody comes in and they're rude customers. That was kind of the film <laughs> I was hoping this could turn yes. into. And just, you know, every kid that comes into their shop, everybody that walks, they cross paths was that is slightly rude or impolite or just the voice of all the boys. Yeah, just all of them, all of them, even if they're nice, I don't care. Start fresh. (laughs) Fire is cleansing. Let's let's move out of this hellhole. Although it's very beautiful town. I um, really loved how this movie framed Sarah's body. Mm. You never see you never see a fat body like this in film in a fat positive lens, but like you are seeing and like, this is not Hollywood fat. This is a real fat woman. Like they frame her so beautifully, so consistently her, her stomach is out for so much of this film. And I thought that was really groundbreaking to, to brave that in a film because unfortunately people are not ready for that. I think that that's going to be really shocking for a lot of people that see this movie. And And I guess that it's the, I'm 45. So the genre films that I came up on, there would have been a much different body that would be in underwear the entire film. And it would have been serving a very specific purpose. Mm -hmm. But for Mm -hmm. this, I think that it's showing a vulnerability of this character and just showing her when she's in that place, people are still so cruel to her mother and father and everybody in her life. Everybody a nightmare in this town. One of my favorite moments is, okay, uh, there's a moment early on where she goes for a swim and yes. I, I, I knew, uh, like a fat person move. I really recognize that she shows up to the pool after everyone else has gone home. And so that's kind of genius because she's completely alone. So that was like a good way to get her in a spooky situation. And there she gets sort of assaulted and attacked by her bullies and they steal her clothes. They steal her towel, leaving Sarah to wander home in a small bikini that's probably too small for her. And that's probably this character's worst fear to have to like be exposed in public like that. And so she walks home and she gets attacked and assaulted by more bullies. And this is where she witnesses sort of the catalyst of the slasher element of the film. And I just thought that was so cool to combine those two horrific moments together. Well, it becomes... There, there's something that he, this one person, the person that's completely clearly the bad guy in any other movie, 
was the one person who saw humanity in this character that everybody else saw yes. this young woman as an object of ridicule. And that's and it. not just humanity, but like saw her as a sexual. Yeah, being. true. Um, and they have some hot tension together. The, the, the moment where they almost kiss it's that's as they're, <laughs> I don't generally see on screen chemistry like that. Um, you, because of your mentioning of dead end and they, I went back and started they last night. Um, and there is the couple in that though. I will say there's, there's a lot of deep throat kissing in that movie between these two, but I never felt like they were doing anything but acting here. Mm -hmm. I do feel like that these two are into each other. And just to see that you vibe off for me, I I could feel that the vibes were present and the vibes were heavy with these two. I felt the killer was hot too. And I, as I speak from my unique perspective, which added to it, like, you know, she hates everybody. She's always being treated so poorly. Like what could be greater than someone to sort of whisk her away and, and sort of show her that she has value and that she's cute. Um, Isn't there, there's a moment in the film. I mean, it's, I I think this movie's kind of spoiler proof. I I won't get into the ending of it necessarily, mm -hmm. But there's a moment where they're out in public together and she's again, runs into these three guys that start teasing her and Mm -hmm. he has, he won't allow that to happen for a moment and just gets in the car and ends it right there. And isn't that kind of the thing that we all wanted to happen to us when we were kids and being teased and you were in that situation, you just wanted somebody to show up and murder the people and just have it over. I was really hoping that he would have killed. I I, I cut the, I hope this isn't spoilers, but I was hoping they would die. <laughs> those those specific unimportant characters. I was hoping they. I thought I was hoping he'd kill them. Um, it was totally ancillary characters. They were they were meat yeah. shields. That's what they were there for. Yeah, yeah. they were there by design to be killed off. I will say I do kind of wish this movie went a little bit more into like extreme horror. I wanted this movie to wake me out a little more than it did on like the on the slasher gore horror angle really i wanted to be a little bit more text chainsaw massacre because i do think it would have lent itself really well to going a little bit harder that final act is about as texas chainsaw massacre with the location i think as you could get and i think if you go back and you actually watch texas chainsaw massacre you don't see anything you imply it when he holds Mm. her up and puts her on the hook in the film, you don't actually ever see the contact. It's all implied. You are so, so right. Let me rephrase. When I say, when, I'm going to rephrase and say Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the franchise. This is the way that I wanted it to lean. <laughs> oh, Not this, necessarily this the genus This does have a little bit more two, yep. doesn't it? Oh, yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which honestly, oh no, am I going to discredit myself forever? It might be my preference between the two. Is that, is that so wrong? Is that so wrong? It's like we were having, we had a conversation before and I have room in my heart for both. I, you can yes. have both. You can love both of them for yes. very different reasons. These yes. are different films. Um, I disagree. Pick a side, people. <laughs> Choose a lane. There's no way that someone can win if we're all on the same team. So, <laughs> sorry. But, okay, with the idea of violence, though, and with the gore here, there's something involving a bracelet that I had no idea what I was looking at at first. And when it pans up and you figure out what just happened in this scene, it's something that's incredibly gory off screen, but then you actually witness it when it pans up. And do you know what I'm talking about? Can you remind me? I'm so sorry. 
Um, I remember the beginning. It's in I the Texas the... Chainsaw Massacre room um, uh-huh. in the end of it. And you see a bracelet that's on the ground. She has, the shotgun has been fired at that point, And you just yeah. see a bracelet sitting on the floor. And I'm like, is this, are those supposed to be teeth? What is that? And then it pans up and you realize that the hand has been shot off and that it's just the bracelet lying on the floor. That's the T, McGee. Yes. Good. So, yeah, yeah. It does it does go hard. You're right. There are moments of like, whoa. And specifically one moment that we're we're dancing around because I don't think we should say it because it's the one kind of, I don't know. It, yeah, you're gonna there's a, just a very grotesque moment that's gonna make you cheer. <laughs> and I um that was really wonderful. And there there are a couple of moments like that throughout this film. Maybe what he meant to say is that I wanted to be more scared by this. Oh, yeah, no, I was never scared. Was I was never so. scared. And I think it would have lent itself to be quite, like, I think it could have been a really but fucked up, scary movie. It could have been. But I will say if you push too far in that direction, you could lose mm-hmm. the human thread here. You could lose the connection that we have emotionally with Sarah that we have yes. with a serial killer that we're keep in mind, we're pulling for these people. Now we've been yeah, we, Well, I mean, we are, yes. Yeah, we, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> are you pulling for the mom in this? No, movie? no, no. I wanted her. I, I hope. She, I, no, I'm not. things didn't look good for the last that we see. They her, did. So. And I think she's okay. This is just dramatic. <laughs> such a, such a mom. Um, the dad, I don't know. The dad I'm more worried about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 to me though, I would rather have something that I'm connecting with on that emotional level. Um, yeah, there's things that are designed to scare the shit out of me. I don't think the filmmaker here was trying to scare the shit of me, shit out of me. This wasn't no, important. I, I think what yeah. you were saying about body image, I think that's a much more important issue here. I think there's mm-hmm. things about um, sexuality. I think there's things about bullying. There's obviously all these things that really do. Um, speak very much to where I was as a straight white dude in another country 25 years ago at that age. So, mm-hmm. and then here you are. Where were Canada, you? Uh, I'm at that. I'm in Tucson, Arizona right now, but at the time right. I would have been in Delaware, I guess. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it, got it. A different country from, from Sarah. Her, and from Sarah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm just saying all three of us are kind of spread around the world and we've had experiences that at the very least we have empathy and we can relate to different facets of this character. So yes, yes, yes. That's more important than being scared to this filmmaker. I I think you're right. And I think that like, yeah, it does capture that universal vulnerability of being treated like shit. And then the fantasy of, you know, what if, those people that treated you like shit, you were the only person that knew they were abducted by a horrifying Texas Chainsaw Massacre monster. Um, do you think it would have been more effective if he had, if we didn't see his face? Do you hmm. think that was a totally different movie or do you think that could have worked? No, I, I, yes, that's a totally different movie. But I think what works here is that we see his face and he's not a monster. He's just, no. he's just, he's just a guy. He, he's a He's such a dude. Yeah. He, yeah. He's just, just a guy with the beard that looks like yeah. anybody you would see anywhere else. He looked. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that about this film that he, yeah, he's a handsome guy. There's, I have a question but, for you yeah. about one of the deaths. Someone dies. That's not exactly an important character. He, he, the killer had broke has breaks into somebody's house, has them tied up mm-hmm. and they're like kind of freaking out. It looks like they're like on, it looks like they're like, 
tweaking or something or were they just scared what was wrong with that person i think they were just scared i okay, okay. I, 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 I don't it know like they were like i know what you're having a, a lot an yes. attack of some kind but you know maybe they were i i, I don't know that, that there could be something there but i'm also pretty clueless when it comes to that because i too. have led a fairly sheltered uneventful life for the Same. most part <laughs> And thank God. But most that I know about this stuff is vicariously through film. So that's how I know. Me too. Any- and I was like, did he give someone like a weird <laughs> poison pill that's making them like tense up and then he's going to kill them? I was thinking too hard. A little like, bit like I, I assume that you can go to a store and buy, you know, uh, chlorophyll to make people pass out on, you know, with a rag. Cause it's just, you've seen it in so many movies at this point. I'm so. sure you can't in uh, somewhere in this Southern Spanish village, there is a home <laughs> hardware with all of that available. So is this the kind of movie that you, if you were back in the late nineties, early aughts working in a video store, and you were the cool clerk, which I assume you would be. You would be the one that was working there. And I'd say, okay, what do I need to see this week, Josh? Is this something you're recommending to everyone? Or is this one that you're keeping underneath the counter holding for the special people that come in? Is this one I'm recommending for everyone? Okay. Unfortunately, it's not. And it's no. It's to no discredit to this incredible movie. But if someone's coming in and making the mistake of asking me for a, a, a video for, like idea, it it's going to be garbage. It's not going to be this brilliant, subtle little friend, uh, um, Spanish or art house movie that played cons. Like I, I, I should, but I just wouldn't think of it. Instead. I'd be like leprechaun four. Like, so unfortunately, no, I wouldn't, but I should, I really okay. should have. I wish how I how well do you know your leprechaun franchise just without looking at, is that leprechaun Very well. in the hood? No, no, but it's a good guess. No, it's Leprechaun in space. I believe it's just before the hood, if I'm not mistaken. They went in space that early in the series. That's they uh really, really did. Yeah. They ran out of ideas quick if you're going into space that soon. And it's I would say it's out of well, first of all, Hellraiser 4 was also space. That's and oh, also that's a good, terrible. But that also ran out of steam. That seems very um, quickly after I 30. love Hellraiser 4. What are you talking about? No, I'm kidding. I actually do love it, but no, you should be saying what you're saying. Yeah, hello, Leprechaun 4, I would say the worst of all the horror franchises that went to space. It's very green screen. Got it. I, need I, to go, I, I haven't it. seen it. I need to see it. I know. Is, yeah. there a, is there a puppet master in space at this point? Oh, I, how could there not be? They're probably all sharing some kind of like little, little moon somewhere, all those little dudes just hanging but out. I, I will throw out there that Jason in space is, I think, kind of an underrated little movie. I actually really dig that one. One of my favorites of the series. It's like the quintessential Jason movie. Um, I can't get my thumb on the pulse if horror is into it or horror against it. I I really can't figure it out when it comes to Jason X, but I I love it. Well, it's the weird series that I think kind of found its footing like five deep it's when those i start enjoying those movies i don't really care about the early ones in that series very much oh my god i'm so sorry and i promise we'll get to talk about piggy but i could (laughs) not agree with you more when it comes to friday the 13th i found friday the 13th a little bit later in life than the rest of the classic franchises Mm -hmm. yeah number six baby jason lives it's so good it's so good did you know Quentin Tarantino's favorite Friday the 13th movie is Friday the 13th part five? What a maniac. <laughs> what a psychotic maniac genius. That is the grossest, stinkiest, muddiest, 
poop covered Friday the 13th. You know what you do? There's not many of those movies that you watch and you feel like you smell bad after watching them. That one, that movie does have a smell to it. It's like, is it mud or poo? Like, what did I step in? That's what that movie is. (laughs) Oh, God. I hate and love that movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't hate it. I, I'm everyone's so mad that it's not actually Jason. Get it, get over it. Okay, I'm saying it now. It's bad because it's not a good movie. It's just like not good. Yeah, just, well, I, I think at that point in the franchise, they were hiring people from pornography to make the movies. Their their prior directing gigs. So. You can tell, <laughs> especially with porn. five. I will say this is what I'll say about Friday the Thirteenth Part Five: A New Beginning. Not as fat positive as piggy <laughs> it's very fat negative <laughs> see look you pulled that back that's a professional see that's oh, what i thank need you, thank you, thank well you. done sir uh the yeah the fatness in the series is um is, is it's not the moment but that's okay not everything has to be the moment no it, it wasn't the moment for that and i <laughs> Uh, and if Piggy is the vessel for it being the moment, I'm not sure yes. we're going to have it now. <laughs> no, maybe not. I, I maybe I, what I I want her to be like a final girl, like a traditional, like everyone gets hacked up and slashed up. And I, yeah, yeah. I wanted, I wanted a crappy franchise horror movie, and that's all I ever ask for. And not, and I, I don't always get it. <laughs> I don't always get that. I, I'm, I, I'm okay that we didn't get that particular need with this one. Um, yeah. Because yeah. this was, it had aspirations beyond direct to video early on. It did. I brought up um, my coworker, Mary Beth McAndrews earlier, but we were talking about what we loved about Piggy, but mm-hmm. we were both saying that like, like we were both thinking like, it would be really cool to do a movie about like, maybe like a fat gay guy where it's a similar thing, but you go full like Friday the 13th or like Michael Myers with it. And we think in our title so far is belly boy. We're going to rip this movie up. We're going to call it belly boy. Cause what a title. Yeah. So belly boy watch out for that. Solid. Watch out for that. Right. I, I, mean, I really like well, it. You could almost do this exact movie with two oh, guys. We're gonna steal it. Wait, don't nobody sue me. Oh, can I tell you where we got the title of belly boy from? No, I, I, please. We were there. The, Hellboy has been in the news. Because um, Ron Perlman said mm-hmm. something about it once. And I wrote something about Hellboy, but I accidentally wrote Belly Boy. And we were just talking about Piggy. And I was like, that's the title for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I feel like the context was important for that. No, that, that, that's very important. <laughs> that, that, oh, God. Yes. No. If you can have um, Freaky being literally based on the writer sitting down and saying, I need a classic comedy that I'm going to turn into a serial killer movie. And he just landed on freaky Friday Friday. That's all he did for that. And then just kind of put together the pieces. You could do that with piggy. I love that. I love that so much. And that's as a filmmaker and as a film watcher, that's, (laughs) I like the simplicity sometimes that's, that's, that's just where I'm drawn. Just things that, yeah, the simple. I appreciate a writer that's willing to say that though that that, that, that that keeps themselves in check like i mean there's great writing in that film yeah. and it's a really well constructed piece and it's brilliantly casted and it's a really it's freaky. a movie that should oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah to yeah, me yeah. i think it shouldn't work as justice well. for freaky justice for freaky it, does it get the, hate? no it's the true the true victim of covid19 i believe yeah. is is freaky because it, it, it was a it was a big freaky flop 
And it was the reason <laughs> Blum was talking about it. I don't mm-hmm. know if you caught this. He was talking about why he was insisting on releasing Halloween Kills uh, in theaters and digital at the same time. And it's because he got screwed over with Freaky, where I think they just went theater. And it yeah, was they, in, just on that one. They just yeah. went theater and it, and it fucked them over. It was like a super um, short window. And mm. so I guess nobody went to the theater. Yeah. R.I.P. Freaky. I love, you know what I love more than Freaky though? Happy Death Day. I'm sorry, and, everybody. And two. And two. I, no. I, I, what? Stop. Stop. Uh, oh my God. She's not for fr- me. She wasn't for me. And that's okay. I, I, no, no, no. It's not even that. It's her, it's, it's the, yeah, not my taste. And, but it's the performance oh, her. that she has. Yeah. Oh, what? A- she's great in both those movies and her comedic timing. I mean, she's doing, amazing work there and to change genres i guess that could be a pushback where it became a sci-fi movie in the second one i'm okay with maybe that's where i personally i i was like oh not my genre bye maybe that was my issue (laughs) put that put that woman in an adam mckay movie or something put her next to meryl streep i want to see what she can really do i don't think there's a lot she can't do honestly if you can sell Mm -hmm. that nonsense i think that you're pretty that's casting is always crucial but I'm still mad that like that character's that. name is Tree, though. There's no excuse. No matter what tone you're trying to achieve, it's not. <laughs> that's not the right choice, in my opinion. Um, and I'm a fan. I'm saying that as a fan. Okay, so I freak out. Um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I that I was pleasantly surprised. You know, when uh-huh. when something like that was a mainstream hit, that that's not something that I'm <sighs> I, finding on you know, through a vlog somewhere and being mm-hmm. recommended as a movie that I've never heard of. This is something that did well and earned a sequel. So it was one of those, like, that's a, the first film mm-hmm. is sort of like a perfect tonal. It's like one of my favorite types of releases where it's certainly not trying too hard, but it's just like a five out of five for fun and kind of wit. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, is that a movie that actually scared you though? Interesting question. I don't recall. I will say it is not hard to scare me. <laughs> it is not hard. And I, 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 yeah. And I'm like, I'm all this, I'm writing for horror all the time. And you think I'd be used to it. I am so scared so quickly, so easily. I am. I don't know why I do what I do. Um, and watching it is not the problem, but hearing like jump scare noises and all that is really like affects me. So mm-hmm. if I'm watching a horror movie with you, I'm like plugging my ears and I'm like rocking back and forth and I'm like acting a fool. And you're like, so don't watch movies with me. It's a mess. <laughs> Those are the, I, I wish I had that reaction to it still. I'm, I'm too calloused and dead. Inside uh, and I, I, yeah, I long yeah. for that. And, but I don't want to be that guy. That's like, I have to have the chandelier dropped on my head while I'm masturbating with like a thing around my neck to come at this point. to get to. Yes. I know. And Thank God I'll never be that person. Um, but I I understand though, you know, like it's, it's easy. Uh, we've seen so much. We've been so since we were kids, like we've seen it all. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to shock us at this point. And so I like, I like when you can surprise me. The thing that I always go back to is oddly enough, it's Hellraiser because that was one of the, why I love genre movies. Cause when I saw that, I think it was in fifth grade, fourth grade, something like that, a little, little oh, bit no. too young. Um, yeah, so not like fun. crazy young, but too young for sure. One would argue the perfect age, <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah. it's something where I see it, and I remember like the skin being ripped with the 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 hooks and stuff, and just being 
watching it and my friends seemed like they were okay with it. And I was freaked the fuck out and I didn't want to show that in front of my friends and Mm, just being scared to death at the sleepover. Right. And then, and it's kind of like reading Kirk Vonnegut where Mm -hmm. then like four years later, uh, my dear friend, Will in eighth grade, who um, he, he, he wasn't out yet. Um, I knew he mm-hmm. knew we just never no. talked about it because yeah. it was like 88 and it was just that was it was a different it was a hard world, time man. yeah and so then he starts talking about and i think one of the things i helped me figure this out with him when we're watching this and he talks about how much he loves julia and the reasons that he loves julia and the way that he connects to her and i'm like oh if you were wondering if he was gay then that was <laughs> that was the confirmation right there julia stan but he found depth in that movie that I didn't of see course. and connected in it in a way that I was like, oh, fuck, yep. there's all this stuff. And then you watch it a few years later. And then I start to realize, you know, learn more about Clyde Barker. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this is like soap opera. At the same time, this is so heightened and absurd. And it's just like really campy in a yeah. way that I don't think people that I saw it's, when I was a it's kid. It's queer as fuck, that movie. It is <laughs> the gayest motherfucking horror movie that ever has been made. And I love it. The original title was supposed to be Sadomasochists from Beyond the Grave. Kind of wish they kept it. I know. Really good. Hellraiser's genius, though. And then it was supposed to be Hellbound, which they obviously used the sequel. sequel. Yeah. And some producer was like, let's make it Hellraiser, which it's always the producer, but it works, you know? Yeah. I mean, it gives it, if if the original title, Probably wouldn't have that movie has been talking about is it not today. in the conversation. No, no. <laughs> I mean it is, but it's not like your it's mom a, would not have heard of it. It's a different we're talking about um John Waters films conversation. Absolutely. Which and it's those mouthful. are I, I'm a big fan. So I am too. Um, but yeah, it's a totally different thing. It wouldn't have been a franchise. Um <laughs> I, and, I love I, that the, franchise. And I'm sorry for getting so far off. Me too. With this, no, no, no. This is how I talk to people. This is how I interview. Unfortunately, um, it's it's probably the best compliment that I can um, that I ever get paid is afterwards when somebody sends an email address like that. Let's keep talking. That was fun. Yeah. That was like oh, you didn't yes. have ten questions that you asked, and then we awkwardly sat in. Them. Oh, they're shocked when you're actually having a conversation. <laughs> if you can achieve a conversation, which let's face it, is not the hardest thing in the world to do. People are they're like, wow, thank you for not making my life the most awkward possible thing. Because if you're bad at an interview, that's what you're going to get. It's going to be hell on earth for both of you. Oh, my God. Well, it's you've sat through a junket, I'm sure, at this point. And you see it and you go, oh, my God, look at this. These are professionals. And I'm just a guy who made it up on my own. It's been doing this thing as a and Mm -hmm. you look at them and go that. This is the level of people that are getting paid to do this. It's crazy. oh my god, junk. Speaking of Hellraiser three, Hell on Earth, junkets are yes. literal Hell on Earth. For people that might not know, do you want to tell them? If, if yeah. in the case they're not in so the know, there's a junket. You have a something's coming out, and the PR person the they set up a schedule where they get 10, 15 people in a room or in a Zoom call. And depending on the round robin style, you'll either get one question and then it goes around the room and comes back around to you, or you'll get five, 10 minute slots and it'll just bounce through all of them. When we were doing things in person, you would sit there in a room and you could just go down the line and you could hear everybody and they might usher you in or you walk into a hotel room. So there's a couple different versions. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'm referring to is kind of when you get to hear other people's questions and that's when it's 
just bananas the stuff that goes through you it's a rolling stone and you're I, I it never occurs to me to ask people about anything but the film or other films um i've never asked somebody about their personal life i've never asked somebody about their clothing i've never asked somebody about their kids and oh it's God, just those weird. kinds of things that just I, to me if i'm reading an article on john carpenter i don't want to hear about his kids yeah I mean, listen, Cody, you're great. We love your music work. Okay. But we're not interested. Okay. <laughs> no, I couldn't agree with you more. Although I'm always the asshole. That's like, but what about this movie? You never got made. Can you, can you like tell me a little bit okay, about that? that? I know that, we're talking about scream, but like, what about, I know what you did last summer for. Cause like, I, cause that's what I just want to know about. It's not even for the podcast. Where did I that come from? This know. thing of yours, like this. I Do you really want to know? Cause I do. I do. I'm answer. curious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry if nobody. Okay, no, no apologies. So no, when please I was in, go. I'm I'm curious. I'm interested. So there is a true origin, and I'm not promising it's interesting, but it, there is a real one. When I was in eighth grade, I was obsessed with this. I'm not a video game person, but I was obsessed with this video game called American Mickey's Alice. It was like a scary gothic Alice in Wonderland kind of a moment. Very Tim Burton energy. And I remember at the time they announced there was going to be a movie and it was going to be directed by Wes Craven. Sarah Michelle Gellar was going to be in it. Little Josh was like, incredible. And so I was following this movie must've been for five plus years before I realized it was never going to get made. And I didn't realize that's how the world worked. Mm -hmm. So I was just like obsessing over this one weird, unnecessary project for so long. And eventually it just never happened, but I always kind of had it as this like stain on my heart. And then it evolved into being really interested about like the alternate realities behind other movies that didn't get made. Cause there's a lot of them. And oh, then yeah. when, and then this um, network was doing a call for possible podcasts, like the only thing I could think of that like is my true calling was this. And um, yeah, <laughs> that's the origins. That's yeah. amazing. That's fantastic. I'd love to do a documentary. Do you have $500,000 to invest? Because oh, I have could, a good idea. You could literally do one just about writers that were hired by the Weinsteins to do Hellraiser drafts. I mean, it's called my do- podcast because that's like eight of our episodes. <laughs> yeah. But there's so many. It's like, it's literally everybody. And if you start to know and speak with any writers that have been writing in film for a while that were around during the mm-hmm. Weinstein era, they will all say, oh yeah, no, I, I was either they, hired or ad, they asked me to come in and pitch those kinds of yeah, things. Yeah. I, oh, I, I, and they're always the, it's so unfortunate that I have to talk about the Weinsteins in every one of my episodes. And I always have to disclose that we're talking about the Weinsteins because they're the root of all of development. How truly and utterly yeah. um, they were, if you think they'd have made a fucking Hellraiser movie, but no, they never figured it out. I mean, they did, but not a reboot. It's so weird that they were so obsessed with keeping the rights. They just kept making shit instead of taking the time to hire a proper writer and make a good one that you could have put in theaters. It doesn't make any sense. They never even swung for it. It's inhumane what they did to that franchise. (laughs) And they tried Um, to do it with uh, Halloween, but that that got away from them. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, they were in production. I'm sorry to make this an episode of Development Hell. I hope you cut (laughs) all of this out. I don't know how you work. No, but yeah, they were uh, just I, about I, to go to DVD. I don't with that franchise. anything. I, I, I don't. Really? I had a feeling. Some people do, some people don't. I was hoping that you did because I have been rambly, jambly today. But like, oh. I, it'll be, I might cut in the beginning or cut at the very end. But really, I just, I, hey, I don't know. It's real. I like it's it. real. It's raw. It's emotion. <laughs> um, 
But the last thing I'll say before we go back to Piggy is, yeah, the wine, the wine scenes were really close to going direct to video with the Halloween. It was right before they decided to sort of soft reboot mm-hmm. with H2O. The original Halloween 7 was going to be direct to video moment. Two faces of evil was what it was going to be called. There, there yeah. was a couple of good scripts in there that got lost that never got made in that whole mix that I've come uh, across throughout the years. But you're right. And I've read a lot of them and a couple mm-hmm. of them are fucking good. Like, yeah, there, there's a couple of them that I don't know how the ones that got released were the way we went. So can I, can I give one recommendation yes. out of all of the unproduced Halloween scripts? The follow-up of, of all of them, the follow-up to Resurrection is going to be called Halloween 9 Retribution. Ronnie, the character, like um, Buster Rhymes was going to make a, t- a small appearance, but that script was so good. And it took place in the snow and, and all of these like new characters were going to somehow get um, located at like a snowed in abandoned insane asylum. And it was just like, spooky ooky um uh josh hartman's character was gonna come back okay it was, it was really good I, there's this an amazing reddit thread or post if you just google it that collects all of the unproduced halloween treatments and scripts wow yeah so just google reddit okay halloween unproduced scripts and you'll find it and it's it, it, it's the reason that i am alive <laughs> my one my one true love is that post well so when can we expect an update on your film on the progress of it? When do you think you'll know That's the amazing. next steps? Hopefully soon. All right. It's been like two years and there was okay. a lot of dead air and we thought it was done. We're working with like a, like um, a studio. I think you'll know the name of if, if it does happen. Um, And then another studio kind of got involved and relit the interest and so instead of just sitting on it now there is some traction so hopefully god damn hopefully within the year but that, as that's amazing but got no expectations because expectations equals resentment that's what my friend jules tells me and i think that's really true it can um yeah, yeah it's just what the level of expectation is and so i think if you it's when we start gaming it too far out if you go to like a next step what is an expectation uh, is it a phone call is it a meeting is it this thing that you can have these micro milestones that you're getting to then it makes it more palatable and then if it falls apart in one of those milestones at least you made it to this point you made it there which yeah. shit man that's so much further than so many others but i know, you know like, you can start but isn't that worse now. isn't it flying too close to the sun and then falling out of the sky worse than never flying at all no no that's not true that can't be true that's horrible um <laughs> not how i feel um, hopefully soon. as as a really bad writer who mm. has turned out some really horrible things that i hope never see the light of day um it's pretty much the um in screenplay format version of Trapper Keeper poetry from high school. Oh, that sounds um, I, good. Oh, oh, it's it's you. Bad. But I've already said that I love shit, so I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm already I'm already invested in this as long as it's horror. <laughs> See, I would have to go back and do a draft on it to make sure that I was yes, gearing it course, towards that. Of so. course, of course. Listen, I think we should all writers yes, should I'll, be worried. I think I think that's a good. I think we should we should always be worried that we're um, delusional. Because I think if you don't have that worry, you're the delusional one, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of the, if there's, it's the asshole thing. 
there's one on set there's one in the room if you, you don't know, know who it is yeah. it's you I, when you're like i can in, say this uh-huh. josh it's yeah it's not you though you're never no. gonna be the asshole in the room you like a, oh so. listen you've never read a script of mine so you don't know for sure you don't know for sure you hear my taste level issue <laughs> so you just don't know i very appreciate true. that i appreciate it very much um but i wanted the lead i wanted the okay so there's the obvious bullies in this in piggy um, are obvious, yes. but there's also this character. Her name's Clea or something. I forget. That's not correct. That used to be her friend and is obviously a little bit more sympathetic to Sarah. Mm-hmm. She's the bystander. There's the bullies and there are the bystanders. And I, the bystander is what pisses me off the most. I want her. I want the bystander to die worse than everybody else. And yeah, because they they have a moral them. compass. They know it's wrong, and they choose yeah, to go along. You're with it. worse. Yeah. You're you are worse. You are you're evil. No, the the, um, the one that's actually holding her underwater, trying to drown her, yeah, is yeah. somehow not as bad as the person that's standing by and not stopping a it. Thousand times, because at least that person's honest. Yeah, uh, she. I'm a monster. Get into it. That's my vibe. Um. Also, yeah. So there's a there's a part early on where Sarah's taking a swim and her bullies show up and like use this like um, pool net to try to like push her under the water and it's working, but I'm like, just you're in the water. Just like swim away, swim away, Sarah. And I, I think one of my issues with this film is sometimes Sarah isn't as active as a protagonist as I want her to be. She does kind of feel like she's being tugged mm-hmm. from scene to scene. And me, she, is allowed to be a sensitive or a, a, a even a weak willed person, but as a character, I, she, she irritated me a little bit. I wanted her to, I wanted her to like have a little bit more. So most of us, that's who we are in life. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I think that's why it's the uncomfortable mirror. Most of us aren't pure evil. We're not somebody well, that's some of you us, know, some of us, <laughs> you know, but most of us, though, we're not the one that's holding somebody underwater. Most of us aren't somebody that is being bullied to the point of this character. Most mm-hmm. of us are somewhere in between, and we're scared of being that character. And so we're scared of being Sarah. We're scared of being called Piggy. And so when we find some group, we're so desperate to hang on to them at this age that we're willing to watch things like this. So most of us are that at Chloe or Chloe or whatever her name is. Wow. I don't remember. Claudia. Claudia, thank you. Yes. I'm inventing names instead Cloud. of coming up with Claudia. Same, same. Yeah. But yes, most of us, I think, are that. And that's why it's so uncomfortable to yeah. watch that character. And that's why we hate them because we are probably closer them. to them than anybody else. It's so true. And you said it right, especially at that age where the only thing that matters is fitting in and fitting mm-hmm. in, you know, to whatever, you know, you'll, you'll, you'd kill, you'd die to, to fit in. See, and that's why I love this movie. This is what you have in this. Instead of just the cheap throwaway, you actually have something here to, I think there's a little bit more depth here. Um, I think the Fango crowd would be happy with this. The the, the gore crowd, the short film, I know it doesn't go as far as that did. I've never seen the short. Neither have I, but that was one of the things that I saw from feedback right away was people Mm -hmm. were saying like, this didn't go far enough. And I, again. Oh, people said, said that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there were people that were saying there was one of the first things I saw on Letterboxd after I'd already kind of put my thoughts together on it and did that and start looking around. Like, what's the general consensus just out of curiosity? Um, and that's 
one of the first things I came across that the short film was really gory and this wasn't as gory. And I'm looking at the image right now. I've had open from the Sundance page of Sarah oh, yeah, I know covered in blood, which is to me, that's, that's very, it's funny you bring up Texas Chainsaw Massacre because that is reminiscent of Chainsaw to me, that particular yeah. image. So the whole movie is, it, mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, instead of the sweatiness of Texas, you have the sweatiness of Spain. But I, yeah, it's, yeah, I love that one feature image. As, as a um, journalist, it's like the only one that we got. And I can tell it's the only one anyone got. So it's the <laughs> only one that's out <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's the only one that's out there, but it's good. You know what? It, why give more? And why give what, more? What would, be, what would be the shot if you were going to go for one from this film that you would use? I mm. I might go of them almost kissing because mm-hmm. that's what I see. <laughs> I mean, that, totally I mean, I want to, I just would like that photo, you know, I would, I would, you know, it's something I would like to have. Um, what I like, I would, so you need to, you'd want a whole little package, right? So you need the image that's out there, which is Sarah all bloody. But I think I'd also have that image of Sarah early on looking really like sad and diminished behind the counter in the butcher shop, sort of with her yeah. headphones on looking at all the kids really piningly. Yeah. Th- those headphones kind of are the uh, Wilson, the volleyball <laughs> passed yeah, away. This yeah. is her, this is Linus's blanket. That is definitely her. Comfort. Totally. Yes, and I kind of loved that. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of moments where I was like, if this movie takes off, there are some very iconic moments, not because it's so good, but just like it's just iconic imagery. Um, you got the headphones, the uh, lollipop that stains her lips blue. Yeah. Found that kind of interesting. I don't know if I loved what that was saying about fatness per se, but I did like that <laughs> as well. I think the movie kind of stumbles a little bit in its fat positivity. I think that it, it does so much better than you know, almost anything I've ever seen before though. So I give it full credit. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For it'll, it'll be the one that in 20 years we'll look back and go, look how they fucked this up. But right yeah, now cancel piggy. <laughs> I will cancel piggy. If it's the last thing I do. No, I'm just kidding. This has been amazing, Josh. Thank you so much. We were talking about the thing of having conversations in your head ahead of time where you're having these questions that you're going to try to land. And in my mind, I had this vision of what this conversation could possibly be. And this was so much better than what I ever could have imagined. It wasn't that at all. No, no, Um, no, no. I hear you a hundred percent. You've delivered so much. So thank you so much for doing this. It was so nice to meet you. It was really nice meeting you too. This was really fun. I hope I didn't take us on too many side tangents. That's that's Um, how, that's what I like to do. Me me too. Me too. (laughs) And I'm probably also undiagnosed ADD. It's hard to know. It is hard to know. But yeah, yeah, I'm um, sure. Please keep in I touch. Um, this was super, super fun. Um, I can't wait to hear it. I, I, I will be putting it up very soon. So yeah, that's me. I'm always like two designers. <laughs> Everyone's like, I have like three months scheduled, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I just must be done. nice. Must be nice. <laughs> I'm not that organized. No, so. no, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm paycheck by paycheck kind of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah thank you this was super fun and it was really awesome. nice to meet you you as well thank you josh have a good night bye for now time enough to figure you out time enough to write this down wish me luck get me hope
Boys crack.